Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Good evening, friends. We are live here on Praying for America. I'm Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, and it's great to be with you. Let me know where you're from. Let me know what your prayer intentions are so that we can all pray for each other as we pray for this great country of America. I hope you're doing well tonight as the other side, uh, the radical wacky left spirals out of control, unhinged, uh, caring about nothing but their own power. We're going to talk about that tonight from a biblical uh, standpoint. They make shows, they hire producers, they have fake investigations, they have all kinds of hoaxes, they try to deceive deliberately the American people, and uh, they are um, uh, on full display, on full display in more ways than one. So let me know your own comments tonight. I want to do a little bit of biblical commentary that I think gets to the heart spiritually of what's going on here. But uh, uh, nevertheless, any questions you want to ask about the kinds of things we normally talk about, on this program or things related to the pro-life movement uh, or the MAGA movement, please do. And we'll be happy to have a conversation. Okay. I'm thinking here of uh, Genesis 3. Um, I want to read a couple of passages and connect them together as we uh, go into prayer here tonight. Genesis uh, 3, as you know, begins this way. Now, the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. That God said you shall not eat it or even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's, knowing what is good and what is bad. So let's pause there. We know what happened next. They sinned. They disobeyed God's command. Let's jump then to the end of the Bible, and in Revelation chapter 12, we read the following. A great sign appeared in the sky, verse, verse 1. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars from the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when it should be born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert 
where she had a place prepared by God, that there she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The huge dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world, was thrown down to earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Okay. Now I'm going to connect these two passages with two others, but let me pause first and give a bit of commentary here. Why in the world would God tell Adam and Eve not to eat from one of the trees? Look carefully at what's being said here. God gives them certain commands, so they know that it's right to obey Him, that it's good to obey Him, and that it's wrong and it's evil to disobey Him. They know the difference between good and evil. We all have to know the difference between good and evil in order to serve God. It's just like our founders said, the people have to know the difference between good and evil in order to govern themselves, right? How can you lead the nation? Most of the people now in America believe the nation is going in the wrong direction. How can we discern what really is the wrong direction if we don't know good from evil, if we don't know something about morality? And that's why our founders said that the place of religion and morality in our form of government is indispensable. That's very different from having a theocracy. You don't have the church run the state or write the laws. You have the church be the conscience the teacher of morality. And then those constitutionally designated to write the laws or make the court decisions, they do that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not about knowing good and evil. It was about deciding good from evil, being the source, being the font of morality. It's all up to my choice. I will decide what's right and what's wrong. This is the pride, this is the sin that's at issue here. Will God be God or will I be God? I always say, you know, there's two basic, simple truths in life and uh, they're uh, easy to understand, hard to practice. You know what the true truths are that everybody has to learn? Number one, there is a God. And number two, it is in me. Everybody has to be able to say that. Everyone has to be able to know that. I'm not God. There's somebody else that I have to answer to. And he sets the standard. As a matter of fact, it's more accurate to say he is the standard of what is good and what is evil. What is the war then that breaks out in heaven? Well, it's a war that's referred to in the first book of the Bible. And it's a war that's referred to in the last book of the Bible. And everything in between is, is that war playing itself out in, in salvation history. The war between the serpent and humanity. We see in that same Genesis 3, after that sin is committed, remember God says to Eve about their descendants, the serpent's descendants and her descendants, there will be enmity between you and the serpent, your offspring. 
He's speaking to the serpent. There are enmity between you and the woman, your offspring and hers. She will strike at your head, or he will strike at your head, and you at his heel, referring to the woman's descendant, ultimately the Christ. Victory is with those who are good and adhere to the good. In, in Revelation, we have a war breaking out in heaven. Now, war is terrible on earth. What is it like in heaven? War breaks out in heaven. And what is this war all about? We see Satan trying to devour the child, but even more so, trying to be God. Because Michael is the one rallying the good angels, and the word Michael in Hebrew is a cry, an affirmation, a declaration, a question, who is like God? Who can be like God? And of course the answer being nobody. The good guys win, paralleling what was said in Genesis, he will crush your head. The good guys win, but then it says, the devil and his angels were cast down to the earth. Thanks a lot. Now the war is here. And that's the war playing out in Genesis. You will be like God. Do you notice Michael in Revelation? Who is like God? The temptation of the devil to our first parents, you can be like God, knowing good and evil. Listen, you don't have to listen to any commandments, any church, any pastor, any Bible. You can set your own standard of what's right and what's wrong. It's all about power, brothers and sisters. The two other passages I want to look at quickly that develop this theme. In, in Isaiah 14, there is a prophecy against the king of Babylon. And Isaiah rebukes him for his pride and arrogance. But listen what he calls him. Isaiah 14, 12. How you have fallen from the heavens, O Lucifer. How you are cut down to the ground, you who mowed down the nations. You said in your heart, I will scale the heavens above the stars of God. I will set up my throne. I will take my seat on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You see the theme? Whether it's the devil in Genesis tempting Adam and Eve, you will be like gods. You decide what's right and wrong. Whether it's the battle between the devil and his angels and Michael and his, in Revelation, Michael saying, who can be like God? We have Lucifer. And you see, you read these passages on two different levels. There's the, the pure historical level. Well, the king of Babylon was arrogant and the prophet was was warning him about that. But then reading it on the spiritual level, it's a rebuke of Lucifer himself, thinking he can be like God. You will be cast down 
And then, finally, Philippians 2. Because if Isaiah 14 opens up the veil to let us see the thinking of the evil one, Philippians 2 pushes aside the veil to let us see the thinking of the Holy One. Starting in verse 5, Paul says, chapter 2, verse 5 of Philippians, Have among yourselves the same mind that is in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in the likeness of men, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father, Jesus Christ is Lord. The thinking of the Holy One is not, I will ascend, I will exalt myself, I will be like the Most High. The thinking of the Holy One is, I will humble myself. I will become obedient. I will empty myself. Even to death, I will give my spirit. I will shed my blood. I will offer my body. I will love my people. Uh, the greatest among you must be the servant. He who humbles himself will be exalted. But he who exalts himself will be humbled. How you have fallen from the sky, O Lucifer. Michael battled against the dragon and they... The dragon and his angels were cast down to the earth. How you have fallen from the heavens, O Lucifer, because you said, I will exalt myself. And therefore, God highly exalted the one who humbled himself. Let us pray. Father, we, we come before you tonight with deep humility. Because we recognize, Lord, that we're not the authors of morality. We are the servants of you who are the author of all that is good. Lord Jesus, when you said to your disciples, call no one on earth your teacher, you have one teacher, the Christ, and all of you are learners. That, Lord Jesus, is the antidote to eating the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of your cross on which you became obedient, humble, even to death, is the antidote to eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, you alone are the teacher of what life means, of what love means, of how to be exalted, of how to be fulfilled, of how to be happy. Not by insisting, my body, my rights, my choice, my truth. But of going to you, the one teacher. And submitting to you and humbling ourselves. Not trying to ascend the throne. Not trying to exalt ourselves. But rather letting you exalt us. Jesus, we come before you 
with great humility tonight and deep desire to be united with you and knowing that that's where our power is and that's where our freedom is. Thank you, Lord, for your example and for sending us your Spirit who enables us to live it. May you be glorified now and forever. Amen. Well, isn't this the difference between the woke left, the radical wacko left, and the rest of us? See what they try to do against all morality and against all common sense? They want to redefine everything. Morality, biology, democracy, they want to redefine it all. They think they hold this exalted power over truth itself, this exalted power over history. We see them right before our very eyes rewriting history in their own image. They can redefine biology, obviously. They can say that a baby is not a baby and that anything else they want to redefine, they can redefine. You will be like God's. These passages that we read, brothers and sisters, show the kind of spiritual battle that we're in, and they show the the only solution. Philippians 2, it's the only solution. Put on the mind of Jesus Christ. Okay, let me see some of the comments that are coming in here. Um, Yes, Michael, we're praying for the repentance and conversion of Pelosi. This is what it is, brothers and sisters, what's needed, repentance and conversion. And that comes from... um, from the grace of God, uh, only from the grace of God. Uh, let's see, uh, Alice is saying something important here. Um, there are many evil uh, and uh, single uh, distractions occurring within our country. Yes, shootings, losses of necessities for our citizens. Yeah, uh, terrible things. As well, there are very confusing events taking place within the Catholic Church. So many Catholics are not well-schooled in their faith. Uh, please discuss these situations. Well, brothers and sisters, um, you know, it's, it's, it's too easy for people to identify themselves as belonging to a particular church. If that's the church that they were baptized in at the beginning of their lives when they, they, they weren't yet trained in the faith, didn't yet know what they wanted to, uh, to do when it comes to matters of religion. Easy to just do nothing, right? And just say, oh, oh, but I'm a Catholic. Oh, because I was baptized. I'm a Catholic. Because you were baptized. But what are you doing to choose that faith? What are you doing to live that faith. So we have people who, you know, they may go on for their professional education. They go, might, may go on for higher degrees in academia. And they allow themselves to stay at a grade school level of understanding the faith. Things as important as our relationship with God and our eternal salvation deserve a little bit more effort of study than uh, what we learned in grade school. And, and this is one of the things, Alice, that you're getting at. And, and we all, we all are, are, are so um, uh, aware that there's a problem. And, 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 and we see this as soon as we start talking about you know, how well do we really know our faith. If we study the faith, 
we're going to realize, and this is not just true for Catholics, but all of us who are Christians, there is a faith, there is a content of faith that has been handed on to us. Our founders expressed this in many of their writings, in many of their addresses, and many of their public prayers. They recognize the biblical teaching that there is a deposit of faith, as Paul calls it, that is, is, is given to us, and it's not up to us to, 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 to change it. So when people get confused by what a particular pastor has said, what a particular bishop has said, even by what the Pope has said, when people get confused by what their priest has said or what somebody who is claiming to be a, a Christian teacher has said and they say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure about that. That doesn't sound biblical or that doesn't sound, sound true. What we have to keep in mind, six simple words to navigate through those, those moments of confusion. What the faith has always taught. Six words, brothers and sisters, to keep the anchor where it belongs. You have one teacher, Jesus tells us. That doesn't mean that there isn't the gift of teaching. Scripture teaches that too, right? In fact, we see, remember uh, Paul uh, in the Acts of the Apostles catching up with the Ethiopian eunuch? Now, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, we're going to send the Holy Spirit, Father and I, he will teach you all things. But then we have Paul in, led by the Spirit to catch up with this Ethiopian eunuch who happens to be reading the scriptures and he's reading the passage Isaiah and he says, is Isaiah talking about himself or someone else? Please explain it to me. Because Paul asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And what does he say? How can I understand it unless somebody teach me? There is a role. In writing to the Corinthians, he says, God has given many gifts in the body and one of them is teaching. So we have teachers, and yet Jesus says you only have one teacher. And what that means is any teachers appointed by God must teach those six words, what the faith has always taught, what has been handed down to us. It's not our own message, making it up, again, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and creating our own truth. No, there is no such thing. We are faithful to what the faith has always stood uh, for. And, and, and we don't need to be confused. It's okay not to understand what you know, Pastor so-and-so is saying or Bishop so-and-so. Oh, I don't understand what he's saying. Well, what do, I, what do I care? What has the faith always taught? What has the faith always said? That's the anchor. Our teachers are supposed to be representing to us that very truth. And when we have confusion there, and when we have chaos there, I mean, we've got situations in the church here now where people are just losing their bearings altogether. There's no need to lose our bearings altogether. We can be distressed that some is false, there's false teachers all around, you know, and they're getting a louder and louder mouthpiece. But, um, but we still certainly know what we're, what we're, what we're believing. We know in whom we have put our trust. Well, before we uh, uh, conclude in prayer, as we always do, let me remind you that on um, 
let's see, today is um, Thursday. Uh, on Monday, this coming Monday and this coming Wednesday, the Supreme Court will be issuing more decisions. Now, I mentioned to you the other night in some detail how to follow the decisions coming out of the Supreme Court. There are still a couple of dozen decisions that they have to issue by the end of their term, which which finishes at the end of this month. And uh, if you go to scotusblog.com, you will be able to follow uh, the decisions. What I mean is there's a calendar there that has indicates what days are decision days. They mark them in green. And that means they'll be issuing opinions on the cases that they've been deliberating. When the decision day comes, they issue them at 10 a.m., starting at 10 a.m. If there are several decisions that day, they'll be issued in 10-minute intervals. And the decisions will come right there on the live chat. You'll go just scotusblog.com. It will appear right there. Experts will be commenting on it. People will be able to ask questions. And then the decision, the link to the, to the decision, uh, and um, some summaries of it will begin to be discussed. So that's how you do it. We are expecting some very big decisions. Again, as we discussed in another recent program on abortion, decisions on religious freedom, school choice, and of course, the Second Amendment. Monday and then Wednesday, and then a lot of other decision days will be announced before the end of the month. So let's pray about all this. Father, first of all, we lift up to you the prayer intentions that have been given In the comments tonight, bless all your people, Lord, whether they're asking for health, wisdom in making decisions, uh, protection for their families, uh, or the, or the, just the clearing up as we were just discussing of confusion within the church, uh, the protection of our country. Whatever the prayer intentions that are on everybody's heart, Lord, grant those prayers. Show us your constant love for us by showing us the answer to our prayers. And then, Father, also grant to our nation freedom from falsehood. Lord God, we see the Congress right now behaving in such a way that they are literally hiring media producers to export garbage and lies about what peaceful, America-loving citizens are doing. Help us, Lord, to see through the lies. We ourselves see through it. But help our fellow citizens, Lord, far and wide, who have not paid as much attention to these things as we have, who may not have as much of an understanding as we do. Lord, help them understand. Shine the light where there is darkness. Do not allow those who are trying to spread darkness to get away with the distortions that they are spouting out of their mouths. Help us, Lord, to be witnesses in our own circles of influence to what is right and to what is true and help us to give the example by our own behavior of what it means to exercise the First Amendment, of what it means to speak our mind. Help us, Lord, for you are the God of truth and the spirit of freedom. Bless America. Move us forward to victory. Now we pray in the words that Jesus gave us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, thanks, friends. Connect with uh, me on social media at FR Frank Pavone, as you can see on the screen. Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network. We'll stay connected. We'll stay encouraged. And we will be joining you again tomorrow. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.